Welcome to the PCTR Podcast. I'm Robbie Itterberg, Senior Pastor. I want to thank you for listening today. We hope that you hear from God and that this podcast encourages you in your faith journey. You can connect with us on social at facebook.com slash PCTRNJ or our Instagram handle, PCTRNJ. Or you can find more information or resources at PCTR.org. Have a great day. Peace. Good evening. Man, I have a chance to meet. My name is Christian. I'm the other pastor here at PCTR. And today we are continuing our sermon series, Unstuck. And we've been uh, in this sermon series for a while. And in it, we are hoping to claim the, the hope that Jesus, in Jesus, we can have full life. But the reality is that we sometimes have a a dissonance, a separation between our emotional health and our emotional maturity and our spirituality. And we're seeking to kind of, we've been looking at things and looking to figure out how we can integrate, how we can really recognize where we have issues. And we've, we've looked at a number of different things along the way. We've talked about the issues of identity and the metaphorical masks that we put up. Um, We've talked about our past, our family of origin and past events and how those can haunt us. We've talked about power and control, um, grief and loss and our fear of limits and how those can hold us back. These have been some of the topics of the previous sermons in this series. If you haven't had a chance to catch them, I encourage you to go to our YouTube page, PCTR and Jay, to check those out. And you're probably coming here and you're wondering, if you've been here with us, like, okay, pastor, so what are you going to uncover today? You know, what, what, what difficult topic are we going to bring up? And I want to let you know that we are actually at a turning point here. We, you know, I kind of felt like we've been undone more and more as we go on. And, and where, where are we going? But we're at a point where we want to try to find some things that we can hold on to, that we can build into, so that we can construct a life of integration, so that our emotionality and our spirituality isn't separated, but that we have integration, that we have maturity, and we can grow in it more and more. And so we are kind of turning a corner and looking looking for a new way forward and how we can go about that. And part of that is being aware of the cycles that we have in, uh, in our lives and in the world around us. I'm trusting that you are sensing the changing seasons, right? If you came in through the store, you walked past some daffodils. The, the leaves on a, just a few trees are starting to pop out. Things are changing. There are rhythms. There are patterns written into the cosmos, written into the world, written into our bodies and into our very souls. And we can see them in um, in a variety of different ways. We see this in the changings of the seasons. We see this in the, the seasons from spring to summer to fall to winter. We see this in bees. Uh, the bees were out at Caddis the other uh, day. I was noticing it's finally warmed up and they can come out. Even in a dog or a cat or in whales or stars or in humans, there's life cycles, there's rhythms, there's patterns. My daughter is 18 years old and a senior at East High. She'll graduate this June. And my wife and I are about to experience a whole new season of life, that of being, an empty, being empty nesters. 
We have to figure that out. This new, this new place, this new life cycle, this new rhythm. And these are all around us. I trust you sense them and you feel them. And they are deeply set within us. There's actually been scientific studies about how we experience time. And, and there's been studies about how productive are people. Can we add perhaps more hours to the week? Can we add days to the week? What happens to productivity? And the scientific studies that I uncovered uh, says that really 50 hours is about the, where maximum productivity happens. If you start adding to that, adding more hours, adding more days, the productivity starts to go down. There seems to be a pattern to our lives, rhythm to our weeks. I don't know if you know this, but in the time of the French Revolution, they had this bright idea of increasing productivity and they changed the week. They changed it from seven days to 10 days. They figured they could get more stuff done and they could uh, expand that and they, they thought that this would work. And you know what they found out? It was a mess. It was a mess. P it, the productivity did not happen what they had hoped. People needed that rest. They needed that cycle to go against that cycle deeply ingrained in us is important. And to deny that, we deny that at our own peril. It's almost like fighting gravity. And fighting gravity can be a dangerous thing. And you can end up landing very hard. And when we deny the realities of these cycles in us, we deny them at our peril. We see this around the world. We've seen rising burnout, right? I don't know if you've experienced that or you know someone. Chances are you know someone who's experienced a season of burnout um, or uh, just a lack of satisfaction, a lack of not being able to be productive. And when we go against these rhythms that are deeply ingrained in us, we do so at our peril. And we could say that, well, you know, maybe this is cultural, that maybe this is just something that we've created and, you know, seven days a week. Is that kind of arbitrary? I don't know. We, we used to have a great sense of this. More recently, something significantly impacted our thinking up with the rhythms. One of those was the light bulb. The light bulb changed things. Uh, and I know that was a while ago, but uh, when it used to get dark, you could, sure, you could have candles, you could have the fire, but you know what? You could only do so much. And when it got dark, people went to bed. And when the sun came up, people got up and did what they needed to do. And there was, people were more in sync, but the light bulb changed that. And even more recently, and culturally, I think you're sensing how things can change us with fancy light bulbs that actually entertain us. That, you know, they can keep us up, they can keep us distracted, and we can stay up all night if we let it. Binging something, just scrolling or, or doing whatever. There's these challenges, there's these things around us that are pulling us away from the rhythms. And these are newer things that we are experiencing, but I'll tell you the, the pull to get out of sync with these rhythms in our lives that don't allow the, the, the deep satisfaction, the flourishing, the full life that Christ has come to give us, was, uh, it was a real challenge even in biblical times. 
They didn't have fancy light bulbs or smartphones or tablets or computers or whatever, but they felt it. Israel was described as the land of flowing milk and honey, but I'll tell you, I've been there, and it wasn't easy to raise crops without tractors and fertilizers and all the wonderful blessings we have today. It was a lot of work. And it was tempting to work eight days a week, is the expression, but seven days to not stop, to go and go, because it was hard to scratch a living out. But there was this pattern laid down. This pattern that we heard about in that long passage. I know that was long. I don't know if you've heard Genesis um, chapter 1 and those few verses of 2 in a while, but it lays down this pattern, this amazing pattern where God is working. Can you? God working, but it it carries, it conveys to us that God is speaking and things are leaping into existence. He is creating And as he creates, he takes joy in it. But after six days of creation, another amazing, mind-blowing thing, God rests. Was God tired? Was he like, whoa, that was a lot. That was everything. That was a lot. No, he wasn't tired. He could go and go and go. But he paused. He paused from what he was doing, and he took note of it, and he delighted in it. And the seven-day cycle of six days of working and one day of rest, of one day of pausing, is a powerful thing that seems to be written deep inside us, and it's really important. We have all these temptations to go against that. It's so hard to pause, but it's vital that we do so that we lean into that. And that's exactly what we want to talk about today is leaning into that. But I want to be really careful here in saying that I don't want to just put things on us. It would be really easy to come up here and wag a finger and say you ought to do this and you ought to do that. You should do this and you should do that. That is not what I'm saying. I am not looking to put more things on us and to weigh us down. I'm like, oh, it's, it's hard to be a Christian. You know, it, it weighs us down. I don't want to put things on us. And there's a danger to that. And our passage is going to open that up. The dangers of just looking at rest, a day of rest, as a thing we have to do. And I'm not here to talk about something that we ought to do talking about a lifestyle change. I'm talking about a transformation. And I think it's much easier than that. It is transformation, but it's not a a lot of shoulds. It's an opportunity to lean into something that God has for us. And as we do that, as we sync up with that, there is a flourishing and there can be full life that God has for us. And we can integrate who we are, our emotionality and our spirituality in a way that God intends for us. And so we want to take a look at that and lean into that. The book that we are um, reading as a church, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, talks about this subject. And um, in in the chapter this week, it suggests two different things to help us to lean into rhythms that God has for us. One is called the daily office, and the other is the Sabbath. And the daily office 
is this idea of breaking down the day, having different periods of time, and as you transition from one to the other, have a time of devotion, have a time of connection with God. It's not meant to be a thing that you ought to do. You ought, you should. No, it's about connecting with God. It's not about trying to go to God to get something like, God, give me, give me. It's not that. It's about spending time with our Savior, our Creator, the one who most profoundly knows us and loves us. And it's an opportunity to do that. And it, it, there's a variety of different ways of laying out the day, the morning, the you know, mid-morning, um, afternoon, excuse me, evening, nighttime. There's a variety of different ways, and it's in the book, um, and I encourage you to take a look at that, although I'm a little hesitant about going really deep into that because, one, you can look at it in the book, but two, I remember that game Tetris. You remember, anyone remember Tetris? I don't know, young people, if you're familiar with Tetris, this little computer game. It was, we didn't have great computer games early on. Um, but so we had Tetris. It was amazing. But, you know, you have these little things and these little shapes, and you try to get them to line up so you would clear a level. But the thing is, you get to a certain point, and they start to stack up really quick. Like, you make a mistake, and like, oh, no, ooh, 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 and then boom, and then it's like all over. And I'm a little nervous if I go too deep into the daily office. Some people think it's a great place to spot, start, but I'm just worried that, you know, if, if you make appointments, you know, four appointments, five appointments with God in a day, it's going to feel like Tetris. If you miss some of those and you're like, ah, oh, I can't do it. And it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a danger, but I, I think there is value. But I don't want to go deep in that. I encourage you to read the book. Check it out. I've experienced it. I think it's really helpful. Um, I enjoy um, I enjoy it. It, um, and it is a way of adding um, rhythm and cycle to your life and spending time with God. But I'm not going to go deep and long on the daily office. Okay? What I want to dive into is more of Sabbath. And by Sabbath... I mean, we're bringing this word over from Hebrew. It has this idea of stopping and resting. And it carries with it the idea that we stop from our weekly work and to rest and to delight. And that is really key that we do that. And it's following that rhythm that God laid down for us in Genesis chapter 1 and that first part of 2. We're not making this up. God did that. God gave this to us. And it's important. God, in the, the book that we're going through actually kind of hints on this, this is, and it's a biblical idea. God works, so we work. God rests, so we rest. We're following God's rhythm. And as we do that, we can lean in and we can experience a wonderful thing. It's a, it, it's a good thing, an opportunity to flourish as we're picking up God's rhythms. And this, is this idea of working six days and resting uh, a seventh day is, is really vital. And it shows up a variety of different places. It becomes, in some sense, a hallmark of the Israelites. And their identity was very much tied up in resting, a day of Sabbath. Um, in one of the places that it also shows up is in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 is um, a Moses 
the short of the, the book of Exodus up to that point is there's Moses and he leads the people out of Egypt after the, the plagues and all those types of things. They go out, he gets the Ten Commandments and Exodus 20 is the first place we have the Ten Commandments. And some of the Ten Commandments are really short, like thou shalt not murder. You know, you um, don't take the Lord's name in vain. But you get to number four, commandment number four. It's the longest one of the list. And what is it about? Take a guess. Sabbath. This is how it goes. Remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He blessed it and he made it holy. And it's for us. He wants us to do this. How cool is that? That is amazing. The news is, if you haven't caught the headline, the news is you have 52 Sabbaths a year. 52. That's pretty good. When did someone give you 52 vacations a a year? That's amazing. And he wants to bless it. And as we lean into this, as we resist the temptation to be busy, and it isn't in a temptation to be busy all the time, to the lights that allow us be on our digital devices, be in work, doing all kinds of things. It's hard for us to slow down. It's hard for us to pause. But God's word for in biblical times and, and Jesus' words uh, in, in New Testament times and God's word for us today is to stay in sync and to remember the Sabbath day that it might be holy that it would be blessed as we lean into this and that is the introduction to our passage where Jesus is actually speaking and talking on this And so I know it took me a while to get there, but here we are um, at our passage today. It comes to us from Matthew chapter 12, and the Sabbath was a big deal. As I said, it was a a hallmark of the Jewish people, uh, and it was an identifier. And they were really serious, and Jesus and the really religious people butted heads on this. And you're going to see two of the incidents right here. Let's check out God's word for us today. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God. And he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath, uh, on, sorry, on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have 
you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. This is God's word for us today. Please join me in prayer. Lord, you are amazing. You are powerful. You speak and words jump or things jump into creation. Lord, you have created these rhythms. Lord, we want to be more in sync with you. Lord, we ask that you would open up your word to us, that we might come to know and love you more and more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the Sabbath and these confrontations on the Sabbath. And... Um, the, the people that Jesus was butting heads with, these Pharisees, they um, were leaning heavily one way at the Sabbath. The, the Sabbath is established. It goes back to the very first, cha- first chapters of the Bible. And we have it in the Ten Commandments. We have it in so many other places. The prophets talk about it. It, it is this thing that's there, but they have missed the point, And they have become legalistic about it. They're missing it. And they are so rigid about it, they're missing it. And they come at Jesus and his disciples. They're, they're looking for a debate. They're looking to catch Jesus, right? I mean, it's what the passage says. They're looking to catch him. But he, um, he responds to what they've brought. They bring a biblical thing, but he comes at them with not one not two, but three things from a spectrum of Scripture. And so it's almost reading between the lines. He's like, you're going to come at me with the Bible. I'm going to come at you with three different things from different parts of the Bible. And that's exactly what he does. He talks about something from the life of David, the king of Israel, a man after God's own heart. He talks about the temple. And he ta- he's quoting this part about um, sacrifice and mercy, which is coming from the prophets. And so he's evoking the word of the prophets. And he's like, you come at me, I'm going to tell you that you're missing the point. You have become rigid. You are legalistic about this. Know God's word. And you're missing the spirit. With so many different things that God has for us, there is what God calls us to do. And there are two sides where we can fall down on. One side is to become legalistic. Just to be wooden, just to miss the point, just like it's, oh, it's all about the following, it's all about the doing. Should, 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 ought, ought, ought. That's legalism, okay? That is one danger. The other side is that of licentiousness, that, that we just are free, like, hey, God's so awesome, we are loved, we have mercy, we have forgiveness, and so we can do whatever we want. It doesn't matter what we do. Oh, yeah, Sabbath, okay, well, that's good. I'll just, you know, do whatever I want. 
That's the other danger. There's God, what God is calling us. There's legalism and there's this laxity, this uh, licentiousness, which I know is an old word, but it's this idea of just living and abusing the freedom that we have. And, but the, the Pharisees who um, Jesus is interacting with are missing it. They are deep, deep down the side of legalism. And Jesus is blowing their mind. And he says he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. They were so mad. I mean, by the end, they want to kill him, right? He performs a miracle in their synagogue. The guy's hand is not good. I don't know what exactly it looked like, but it was good at the end. And they're like, oh, that's it. We got to kill this guy. They are missing it. They are missing the miracles of God and, and wanting to kill Christ. Because they are so legalistic. And that is one of the warnings that we have here in our passage. That Jesus, who is the Lord of the Sabbath, is saying that there is a spirit to this. Yes, the Sabbath is real. But how do we lean into this? How can we live this out? And that's our challenge as well. How can we live this out? What are we called to do? The book that we were reading um, um, talks about uh, four things to do on Sabbath. And these are four good things. You can't go wrong here. It suggests that we should stop. Stop our work. Okay? Which is really important. If we don't stop, if we just work, 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 we let work define us. And you are more than the work. You're more than the things that you do. Each and every one of you and me and every human is an image bearer of God. And you're not defined by your work. Work is important. God worked. We work. But it doesn't define you completely. You are more than that. And if we don't ever stop from our work, then we can't differentiate between ourselves and our work. Stopping from work gives us value. It adds value to us. And, and, and you could even say it adds value to work, to recognizing that that's important and that's a thing that I do and I do it to the best that I can, but it doesn't define me. I am more than that. And so it's important to stop. And it's important to rest. God rests. Remember that mind-blowing idea? God rests. That's the second thing. Stop, rest. Pause. What does it mean to Sabbath? Take a nap. Read a book. Do something. You know, do something that um, restores you um, physically, mentally, spiritually, restores your soul. And then delight. Delight is the third thing that it encourages us to do. And I, and I think that is biblically grounded. We should delight. God, at the end of uh, the six days, seventh day, he paused, and I think he took it in. It was good, what he had done. And I think we get to do that uh, as well, to delight in God, to delight in the creation as it points to God. Not creation, in, you know, like, oh, creation's awesome, but the, the creation points to the creator. You see, go out to the ocean, stand there, 
at the shore, the Jersey Shore, right? It's amazing. We get to live by the Jersey Shore. Those waves have been coming in before our grandparents, our great-grandparents, generation after generation, a thousand generations. Those waves have been coming in. Sense the immensity. Sense the rhythms that happened there. Be in awe and not of like, well, awesome, uh, beach and ocean are awesome, but God is awesome. The creator is awesome. Take delight. Take delight in God in our relationships and a variety of different things. And then contemplate. Contemplate. Think on God's word. Think on God. Think on heavenly things. Be transformed in what we do. These are wonderful things. If we do this, it, to, to, to observe Sabbath does not mean we have to be like a monk and go in a little room and sit there and just pray for 24 hours. For most of us, five minutes, we would be pulling out our hair. In like 24 hours, you know, 23 hours and 55 minutes more, like, oh, you can't do it. I'm going to fail here. But that's not it. It's not should, should, should. It's not ought, ought, ought. Live into it. Stop. Rest. Delight. Contemplate. You could do that a variety of different things. Christians through the ages and even rabbis. We have rabbis help with this. They talk about worshiping. They talk about fellowship uh, among uh, family and, and friends. Go for a walk. Um, enjoy creation. Study God's word. Enjoy a meal. Take a nap. Even marital relations. Rabbis have said, that's a good thing on Sabbath. So there's that. Okay. <laughs> All right. That is not a monk in a cell just like, no, mm, no, 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 no. Stop. Rest. Delight. Contemplate. 52 times a year. How amazing is that? That is for you. Get, and we are invited to get in sync. How wonderful is that? And as we get in sync, we get to experience what God has for us. We will have margin. We won't allow ourselves to be defined by work. We find a new way forward, God's way. Be better connected. Whether it's Sabbath or that daily office. Daily office is in some sense taking the Sabbath experience and bringing it in little portions throughout the day. Which is not a bad idea. That's a good idea, but I'm suggesting to you, find something that breaks this open and just give Sabbath a shot. Get in sync with God and what he's doing. Jesus does this himself. Jesus, time, mind-blowing stuff. There are lots of mind-blowing things here. Time is a, is a characteristic of the creation. Before creation, there is no time. God stands outside of time. But God steps into time in the person of Jesus, and he experiences it with us. He created it, but then he experiences it. Jesus observed Sabbath, not in a legalistic way, not in a licentious way, not just abusing the freedom, but in God's way. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And he did this in a huge way. And he worked. He worked hard. He lived a perfect life. He gave it all. He laid it on the line, especially on Good Friday. But Good Friday came, and they made a point because the Passover was coming, and they were in a hurry to get Jesus 
in the tomb before the Sabbath started. And because Sabbath, that Saturday, that holy Saturday is it sometimes referred to. It's quiet. That's why we don't do anything. It's coming up here in a few weeks. We don't do anything here at the church on that Saturday. It's quiet. Because God rested, Christ rested, but Sunday was coming. Amazing. Like a Sunday like never before. And Christ laid down his life and he came back. He observed that Sabbath. He laid down his life. He gave it all. He put it on the line for us to open up a new way that we might have life, that we would be reconciled, that we would have a new way forward. Um, He laid that down, but he took it up. And Easter came and changed everything and backed up what he said. And he invites us to get in sync with him. And so I encourage you to think on these things and to just experiment Again, not coming at you as ought, ought, should, should. Try it. Lean into a life, a a transformed life to get in sync more with God. That we might be in harmony, that we would experience God better, that we would know him. And as we experience God and get closer to God, as all of us do that, we become closer to one another. And there's a flourishing in life. And we have an opportunity to integrate our spirituality and our um, emotional qualities together and to grow in that and to experience that flourishing. I hope we can find some Sabbath in this today, tomorrow, this week. Try and experiment a Sabbath of stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating. Amen? Please join me in prayer. Lord, you are so good. We're so thankful that you move and act in, um, in creation, that you meet us in creation in the person of your son who lived into this rhythm, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. We are so thankful for the Lord of the Sabbath. Lord, we have so many temptations. Lord, we, we confess There's so many different things. We can get pulled in so many different ways. But Lord, help us to find your strength to stop, to find your strength to rest, to find your strength to delight and to contemplate, to lean into what it is that you have for us, that we would be able to experience your growth, your transformation, the full life that you have for us. We pray all of this.